Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Rob Greenfield. Rob is an activist and humanitarian dedicated to leading the way to a more sustainable and just world. He embarks on extreme projects to bring attention to important global issues and inspire positive change. His life is an embodiment of Gandhi's philosophy, be the change you wish to see in the world. In a time when many feel disempowered, Rob believes that our actions really do matter and that as individuals and communities, we have the power to improve the world around us. He's currently traveling on the 2020 World Solutions Tour, sharing solutions to our current problems, leading solution-based action days, and spreading stories of communities and people that are standing up for sustainability, truth, equality, and justice. 100% of Rob's speaking honorariums for the tour are donated to the indigenous and women-led grassroots organizations. So with these words, welcome to the show, Rob. Hello, welcome. Thanks for having me, Julian. Yeah, I'm excited. I have been looking forward to this conversation. Our mutual friend, big shout out, Mark Angelo Coppola introduced us. And um, yeah, man, you've been, you've been making so much um, positive noise. I feel like you've gotten so much positive attention for being an embodiment of exactly this truth um, that Gandhi shared, like being the change we wish to see in the world. Yeah, and, absolutely. Definitely been raising a ruckus over the last years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What comes to mind is this picture of you wearing all the garbage you produced. Um, <laughs> definitely a good way to create attention. I want to ask you right away from the beginning, like what do you believe is most needed in this world right now? What do I believe is most needed? Um, you know, I believe that the world is a very intricate, diverse, complex place. And that so are all of our issues. And so you know, I don't think the world needs any one thing. There's so many things going on that we could improve on as a global humanity. Um, so, so yeah, the answer isn't one thing. Because if you just change one thing, I don't, you know, when, with, with so much going on, it's, there's, still, there's still so much else. So, um, but, you know, <clears throat> connecting to our resources, connecting to the land, that we live on and, and the fact that the earth is our home and that without it, we don't exist. It's connecting to the fact that humans are nature. Nature is humans. There is no separation. There is no such thing as nature. That's just a concept that we've come up with. For me, you know, I really would love to see us get away from black and white thinking, oversimplification of, of messages and wanting easy answers because the reality is, is that the answers aren't easy. It's a, it's a diverse, uh, intricate world um, you know critical thinking problem solving I think are things that would really help common sense you know practices practicing of common sense when we look at things um, you know these are all things that I think would result in people getting along you know functioning societies functioning communities I definitely think community is key you know, working together rather than this idea of that we're independent from each other realizing that we're not we're completely dependent upon one another um these are some of the concepts that you know come to mind for me when when you ask that 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that, um, you know, non-dual approach of there is no one black or white or zero or one right answer. And I think this is really a concept that we've been exploring a lot over the last two years with Green Planet, Blue Planet is this um, polarized world and how to kind of break through that matrix to, to show up for the complexity. And so the reason, I guess, why those questions are, are sometimes really good starting points is because not everyone feels as empowered as, let's say, uh, I have to start this journey of the podcast, or you have to simply be a full-on activist all the way and embodying it. And so what would be like your, your on-ramp that you're embodying or that, that you could share through philosophy or an answer to people to, to on-ramp to this like action-based life, to um, truly embody simply what they, what they believe in and, and not feel like victim to, to power structures, to systems, et cetera? Well, you know, it's difficult to embody what you believe in in this society today, that this, you know, this setup of our system that tries to, tries to really pull us away from it. Um, so for me, I found that action creates empowerment. So I don't think that us making individual small changes is going to change the world. And I actually think that sometimes the changes can be you know, not very meaningful. Like if we just stop using plastic straws, that doesn't save the world or anything like that. However, if as individuals, we make many small changes over time, I think that creates an empowered human, someone who's starting to understand their actions and how it affects the world. Someone who is taking responsibility is starting to feel like they don't need the corporations, what they're trying to sell, and that they can actually be a contributing member of society without, uh, you know, having to do it through the avenues of, of, of money and such that, that society often, you know, makes it seem like it's the only way. Um, and so by making small changes one bit at a time, it empowers you, it creates, it makes you less of a hypocrite and actually able to stand up to the corporations and stand up to government when, when it's needed. And you can do that as an empowered person much more so than as someone who's doing nothing, who, who feels unempowered and, and hopeless. Mm, totally. I love this answer. And I, um, I see, I see where, where you're aiming at. I, I think when it comes to plastic straws, I definitely love when they're not being offered to me in a restaurant, but at the same time, I had the same kind of notion. Like we created these massive awareness campaigns about the tiniest piece, which ultimately is a good starting point, you know, but it's, it's definitely not, um, it's definitely not the whole walk. And so you said something that made me really curious there, Rob, which is um, one single person or the action of one person alone won't really change the bigger picture and so just recently actually this week there was a big headline coming out i saw it on npr and um, i'm not sure if you if you follow that it, it said world's largest asset manager puts climate at the center of its investment strategy and it's talking about blackrock um investment fund and i'm just curious to hear your point on that like is that the kind of change we are actually wishing to see from the leadership and the financial power players in this world do they take climate at the center of their actions or is this just another 
um, layer of, of, you know, trying to capitalize on, on current social trends. I mean, I can't speak to this particular example that you're talking about, but I can speak to a lot of what's happening in government and with corporations today. And a lot of it is very much greenwashing. It's, it's not true. It's, it's not real. It's, it's, you know, designing things in a way where it looks like they're doing the right thing, but in reality, they're absolutely not. And some of that's conscious. And then some of it is that these people truly don't know what the, you know, the roots of the problems and, and, and they're applying false solutions um, because it's easier to do than really deeply understanding these issues that are highly complex. So there's a lot of misinformation and, and lack of education. There is a lot of intentional, you know, leaders and organizations that are trying to look like they're doing the right thing when they're actually not. And then the, it even goes deeper where, you know, they basically are using it as a strategy to get people off their back so they can keep going about business as usual, but create a PR, uh, you know, campaign that makes them look like the good guys. And I think that plays a massive, massive role in a lot of the content that we see today and a lot of the, the current movement. I think it's deeply embedded into, you know, the, the current movement of, trying to create environmental and social justice. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I think there is a big truth to what you're sharing that, especially in the world of content and, you know, AI generated content and fake content, there's a lot of attention um, being pulled into all kinds of direction. And I think personally, this is one of the reasons why I started a dialogue based show because it really creates uh, the ability to dive quite a bit deeper with us during a conversation. And, so I'm open to have this conversation go anywhere where we take it. But one of the questions that just came up for me as you were talking about education is if you were able to fundamentally change and revolutionize the current education systems and the pathways of education, like lifelong education, what comes to mind to you? Like where would you start leveraging um, your experience and, and your expertise? You mean education, like our current, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, university, like that sort of education? Well, I think that's where I would start personally. I always look at education as like a lifelong phenomenon as well, because I never saw school ending as a reason to stop learning. Mm -hmm. But we can start well, education like baseline, you know? Yeah. I, I guess as far as the education system is, you know, the, the, the key would be to design it, to do the design it to do, to actually create balanced, you know, reasonable humans. It's not designed to do that. You know, it, so foundationally you'd have to go way back. And I don't really have the answer to that question um, of the right way to design educational systems for 7 billion people. But, but I can say that the current system is, I think, obviously not designed to create critically thinking, problem solving, well-balanced human beings that are able to live out life in a meaningful way. So designing systems that, are, that, are, that, that do do that would be a great place to start to create humans that are able to work together and have healthy relationships and understand our resources and work with the earth rather than against it. 
and <clears throat> again work with people through you know quality communication all of these things should be in the foundation of of a system if we're trying to create a highly functioning society hmm. yeah and so how does that play a role for people who are currently already like went through this you know education machine that as you said is like based like far in the past you know like created through to basically create a an industrialized revolution and still is playing out as like our current education machine like how can we continuously offer pathways in for people who have gone through let's just call it this brainwash machine right that that kind of takes them away from from seeing ourselves one with nature as you said earlier like nature is still a term that even externalizes it i mean for me it comes down to action <clears throat> we can talk about it and we can watch all the documentaries and read all the books and that's helpful but the more we can actually incorporate it into our lives through our daily actions the more that it becomes us and creates you know the healthy patterns that we're looking for so that comes down to everything our food our you know the way we get ourselves around transportation um, the stuff that we buy, the, you know, water, where our water's coming from, how we're creating our energy, um, our housing, it's everything. It's, you know, designing life. So, so for me, it was about redesigning my life so that, so that my actions are in alignment with my beliefs and so that each day I'm living in a way that is more in alignment with the earth rather than constantly trying to fight against it and beat it up and destroy it yeah totally i remember this graphic of yours that you shared like a while ago that like your time my personal timeline of transformation right and like i think there was like at some point it said wake woke up and then like immediately after it's like took action and so you know i just want to like absolutely acknowledge you and appreciate you for for how clear the pathway to embodiment and action is for you personally um, working with a lot of individuals on 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 both coaching and mentorships and etc i feel like a lot of people feel totally disempowered to take action and so role models like you who are like adopted a zero life waste a zero waste lifestyle and you know making a difference on on every on every layer in like your everyday life is, is truly inspiring but somehow for a lot of people that connection isn't being made into their daily life so I know that you probably don't want to give like specific tips and tricks, but maybe tell us a little bit more about your transformative story then. Like what, how did this like adversity take place that you went from a dude who got, used to get drunk as you call yourself, right? To a, a dude who's making a difference. Well, for me, what I decided to do was, you know, I wanted to not be a hypocrite. Uh, I realized at the age of 25 that I was a hypocrite, that almost everything that I was doing was causing destruction to the world the food I was eating, the car I was driving, the cheap crap I was buying at the store, the, even the water that I was drinking. You know, I realized that almost everything that I was doing was causing destruction to the world. And um, so I decided to unravel my life, to, to, to look at all of my actions and to start changing them. And that's what I did over a period of years is that one change at a time, my goal was maybe to make one positive change per week. And sometimes I did more than that. And that's what I did over a period of years. And that's, you know, was the transformation 
um, into living in a way that uh, where my actions were actually in alignment with my belief system and where I was, you know, living a, a much more sustainable, um, equal, you know, just life. Cool. So in that journey, like if you were to go back and remember that guy you used to be, if you were to, you know, distill some of the wisdom you're now able to embody, like, let's just for the sake of numbers, let's just pick a number. Let's say if there were three lessons that like life has taught you since then over and over and over. Um, if you could go back and pass it on to like your 20 year old self, what would, what would be those three lessons? Well, one big one is def is definitely to not worry what other people think about you. So for me, that was definitely something that held me back from really pursuing what I was, you know, wanted to, it was often the social stigmas and what people would think. And so I, just, I, I flipped that to live, you know, looking at life through the lens of, is this beneficial to the earth, my community and myself, rather than how will people perceive this and what people will think. And that, you know, that changed everything because I was looking at life through a different lens and um, it freed me. It was, it's total freedom. So that would, I mean, honestly, that would be the biggest thing that I was especially tell myself as a kid. Um, Cause I really worried back then what, what people think. Mm -hmm. And that's how I decided to do what a, a lot of what I did. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing. And then the other thing I would do is I would just go back and say, Hey, wake up. Um, the, that this can, you know, that this, what's happening around you, it seems normal, but normal is only a matter of seeing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And whatever it is that you're seeing over and over again generally becomes normal. Yeah. And so our society, our, it appears normal, but the reality is, is that the United States has 5% of the world's population, but uses 25% of the world's resources. So that by definition is not normal. And so I would say, hey, look, this is, this is actually not normal. This, is, this life is extreme and it's, it's not fair. <clears throat> and um, that's certainly another thing that I would say to my younger self, something that I realized over time. Yeah, wake up, gain perspective. That's really how I started for myself too. Like I, I didn't grow up in the States, right? I grew up in, in Germany, uh, in Europe. And like going abroad as a teenager, I went to South America at the time, um, to Paraguay out of all places, you know, like a polar opposite country to the industrialized place that Germany had, had, had turned into. Um, it gave me so much perspective of how little of what I was perceiving normal was being lived on the other side of the world. And so it kind of, you know, it kind of skyrocketed me into like the, the journey of waking up into what is possible on this planet, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'd be curious to understand how, um, well, first, if you identify with this, if, if you identify as an optimist, and then if, if yes, like, how are you consistently choosing optimism? I don't identify as an optimist or pessimist or whatever. I'm, I have some of both. Um, let's see, the definition of optimist, a person who is inclined to be hopeful and to expect good outcomes. Um, so does that match me? A person who is inclined to be hopeful and to expect good outcomes. Now, a lot of the times that is not me. Um, I, 
you know, hopeful, I guess I should look up the definition of hopeful as well. I don't always remember what some of these words mean. Um, hopeful. Feeling or inspiring optimism about a future event. Oh, they use that same word. They just, they just <laughs> refer to each other. Um, I, I just look at life, you know, I think, I just, I just try to look at life um, starting at a, a ground level rather than choosing, do I want to be optimistic or pessimistic? I just look at the situation and, and I do try to look at realities behind it and, and what's, what is the historical, what's the past that brought us here? Yeah. Um, so like, for example, I don't think that humanity is going to fix all of these problems. I don't think that technology is the solution and that we're just going to invent our way out of every single problem. You know, I would say a lot of people use that as a form of optimism. Um, that's not, that's not something that, that I have. Um, I, I look at the, you know, what humanity has done in the past you know i look at things like the fact that 99.9 .9 of all species that ever lived it went extinct and we're just another species so i look at a lot of those sorts of things um but at the same time am i optimistic not just optimistic i know that i on my time on earth can have a positive impact on the people around me that that I, I i i truly believe that life is meaningful and that life matters and that the way that i live can can pot can you know increase other people's quality of life or decrease other people's quality of life depending on how i decide to do things so you know that would mean you could have say that i'm optimistic about my ability to improve the world around me but i am not optimistic about my ability or humanity's ability to fix our global problems uh and transition into a world of peace sustainable sustainability and justice so um yeah it might answer that question a little bit interesting well i'll come back to that in a, a little bit later in another question about your your dream for earth but i'll pause that or park that right there um because i want to understand something else first and that's about the the word and the experience of trust and so my question for you is um, what is required for you to experience trust? What is required for me to experience trust? Um, you know, I think that I, I, for me, everything is, I don't isolate anything. Everything is, is intricate and has, you know, many things coming together. So, so trust, some would just call it, some people would just like give blind trust to something. And just say, I have trust in humanity. Now, I believe the goodness of humanity, and I think that most people are good. But I also know that there's things, there's people out there that do things that are not fair or kind. And so, do I have just a trust in all humans? No. Do I have a general trust in humanity? Yes. But how do I create a general trust in humanity? Also, by surrounding myself with people that I can generally trust. If I, spent if I spent every day of my life surrounded only by people who steal from me, would I be, would I feel trust? Probably not. But Probably because not. I've, yeah. But because I've surrounded myself, I, I, I try to surround myself with good people, 
that allows me to live in trust most of the time, which I do. I generally just, I generally am very trusting. But again, I've created the foundation of, of creating my surroundings, choosing my surroundings to be able to live in a state of trust. Yeah, so this is a really curious answer to me as you know, I'm, I'm in Brazil right now and I, um, I, I definitely am a very trusting person and apply common sense, as you said in the beginning of the, this episode, right? Common sense is, is important. Often when I'm at dinner with actual locals in places like Sao Paulo or Rio or Florianopolis or wherever I get to, to spend time, the Brazilians around me are less trusting to their environment than I am. And I would say there is like a part, a part of it is me being naive, but a part of it is also me like being used to trusting environments where if I'm sitting on the street at a, in a cafe, um, having my cell phone on the table isn't the problem. And so it's very interesting to see how this kind of back and forth um, can both like create weird situations, but also kind of can augment and expand the experience of trust. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the people, the people who have those the the lack of trust often often might have that for a good reason but also at the same time they can take a few scenarios and then extrapolate that out and live a life of complete fear so they you know you can take it to the extreme of course i i would say that balance is is um important for me personally trust is also different because i've also designed my life to be able to trust people more because there's not much you can steal from me. I, you know, I, I'm not, I have very few material items. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have uh, savings and retirement and I don't have things that I can't be sued because there's nothing to sue me for. You know, I have $5,000 cash and everything that I own fits in my backpack. So basically there is, a lot of ways that I've created the ability to have trust in humanity because there's not that much humanity can actually do to me. So I've also put myself into a unique scenario compared to a lot of people where I just don't have to be leery because there's not much you can take from me. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I, I relate and resonate with that too. I definitely have over the last year minimized both the footprint of what I carry and i mean ideally wherever i go i mean we could that's a deep discussion some people um radically would say then don't fly other people say well that's still is contributing to the world if you if you you know spread the message so um yeah when we minimize our our belongings a lot of the mental clutter goes as well is, is that your experience too yeah free it's definitely freedom you know not having so many things to to be attached to and have to protect and to worry about and to ensure and to have, and you know, maintenance and to, you know, keep up getting a new one. And for me, that's a big, one of the big reasons that I have less stuff is because it is, it is definitely a, a form of freedom. Yeah. Hey, I have a, an optional question for you here and that's about the, um, the mindful use of either plant medicines or psychedelics. And I wanted to, wanted to know if you have, any like experiences to share that you know would kind of fit that framework of of mindful or conscious expansion i personally have not used any plant medicines um i am very much extremely supportive of using them um to grow you know 
um, I think that they're a very powerful tool and I've seen, you know, so many people that have just drastically benefited in, in, in growth and having a deeper connection and understanding, um, finding themselves. So I, I really support them. I, I personally have chosen not to use any at this point, up to this point for multiple reasons. One being is that I do, I do like the idea of not needing um, plants to expand my mind as much as I support them and respect them I like the idea of not needing them now at the same time part of me is thinking about using them because I do feel like there's so much to gain and I feel like one of the beautiful things is that they can something that might take five years you know is a transformation that can start to happen overnight um, using plant medicines the other thing for me is that I do want to be able to say to children that I didn't need to use something that could get them in jail because, you know, insanely these medicines, these, these plants are illegal in so many places. I do want to be able to say to, um, to children that I didn't, you, you don't need those things to expand your mind. And, and, uh, and so, and so that's, a, that's another big part of it as well. And then I've also avoided it because just on a personal level that I felt, I felt like there's something, there's a risk, you know, the more now I know that just doing things in the right setting and doing them from the right place of mind, the risk is not, not like, you know, in the past in college, most of the people doing mushrooms were, it was social. We might, they might've been drinking. It might've been at a party, which is not how I would, use a plant medicine at all for me it would be an extremely intentional safe uh setting that is designed for personal growth and, and a deep connection so it's definitely something that i may um do in the future um but at this point i have not yeah thanks for your honest and transparent answer i, I truly appreciate that i think um especially this setting and, and conscious use that you kind of brought up there is, is why I framed it in like what is your mindful experience with it because you know everything can be overdone and so I feel like especially with substances that are consciousness altering encountering them with respect and reverence and also with yeah this healthy understanding of um, not creating a needing relationship yeah powerful answer yeah. I have another Another headline, I, I like NPR news, and I just want to check in with you what you think of things like that. So Microsoft just pledged um, this, this, this week, actually, pledged to remove from the atmosphere all the carbon that they've ever emitted. Yeah. What do you think of like, corporate um, advances like that, where corporations realize the impact they have and are like, trying in some way, shape, or form to, to make statements like that? Yeah, I mean... I guess I'll say again, I can't speak to this example because I haven't looked into it. So I can't tell what, what, you know, what, the, what they're actually doing and what's the reality behind it. Um, I definitely think there's a lot of corporations today that are trying to, that are trying to do the right thing um, and are making very meaningful steps. Um, you know, if we're actually talking, you know, for them, I'm, I'm assuming that comes down to climate change. If we're talking about removing carbon, and the reality is, is that overall, no question, they are 
a giant contributor to climate change. What carbon offsets they will buy, you know, a lot of carbon offsets are complete garbage um, and just a way to be able to uh, continue doing business as usual. I would say maybe most carbon offsetting, especially on the large scale, is a way to continue just doing business as usual. So I'm always leery of things like that. Um, it's usually more complex than the PR campaign that goes behind it. And I can guarantee there is a PR campaign behind it. Um, but again, I do think there are a lot of corporations out there that are really making meaningful positive changes and impacts. And there's, there's, some, there's definitely some corporations that are just doing a great job. Yeah, I, I I love the you know this skeptical um, perspective on on those kind of matters as well. You know, I'm I'm definitely an optimist by choice, um, not to like choose one polarity only, but I'm trying to bring it back to the earlier earlier point of view. I think when it comes to companies, they're ultimately also just people, right? And so um, companies maybe one day can you know create impact that is so inspiring on every level that it includes the, the impact on nature. And I think um, this, is, this is one of my, like, my missions is to continuously create the awareness around the triple bottom line of people, planet, profit, so that capitalism itself in this lifetime can transform into an engine for uh, people and planet uh, instead of being either a distractive factor or something we need to revolutionize because you know revolutions as much as they might be needed sometimes for me they're just a swing of the polarity and so like a steady evolution is, is much more it seems much more helpful and from how i see the world yeah i don't think we have time for a steady evolution if we are talking about global sustainability then then my personal opinion is that we we definitely don't have time for a steady evolution because it our steady evolution is just causing far too much destruction. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, opinions are, are awesome because that way we can, we can connect deeper into, into the wordings we use also. I guess when I use the word steady, uh, I'm using a word that isn't even true with reality because, I mean, right now the evolution of technology has been exponential and beyond exponential. And yeah, so I think our, steady. our evolution has to be and can be congruent to that exponential uh if not also like quantum in that sense right where we're able to hold different points of views like in a non-dual way and realize from them instead of investing all eggs into one one basket or all coins into one basket realize that okay there, there will always be positive and negative repercussions no matter what we do mm -hmm. so what are the what are the experiments we try to see what can change the way humanity co-creates with earth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As I have you on, I have a question and this is my one, another personal opinion of mine in that case, where I'd like to understand if you have a similar vision as I'm kind of gearing up for the vision for the planet um, question. You know, I, I dream of like humanity recognizing large parts of um, the ecosystem as, I guess we could call it parks or we could call it just like green zones or like, places where we let nature be without human impact. Is that something that you see 
might be like feasible or might be even needed. You know, we were talking about planting trees a lot in the last 10 years. Um, sure. Yeah. And then speaking of nature, I think we're coming up on 40 minutes and I got to get out in the sun for a little while while it's beautiful and get a walk in. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely having places that, you know, you could call them conservation areas where we take really good care about them and of them. And um, I think that's something we absolutely, absolutely need. We need that all over the world. Of course, the way that we live our lives currently, you can't set aside an area and expect it to be untouched because of plastic pollution, air pollution, um, you know, carbon emissions. So an area can seem pristine, but be affected from, from you know, halfway around the world. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We need, we need pristine places on this earth, I would say. Totally. Cool, man. Well, before I let you jump into the sunshine and get your vitamin D for the day. Um, so the question that I'm carrying for a while as it started this podcast and, and lots of the work I've been doing in the last little bit um, is a question that kind of needs a bit more context. So the question is, what's your vision for the planet? But really what I want to understand is what's your vision for the planet in the context of a seven generational thinking? The thinking that connects with the indigenous and native philosophy of um, viewing life beyond one's own lifetime. Personally, I don't have a strong vision for what's going to happen, you know, with the amount. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 100 years from now. The world is a pretty unpredictable place right now. I don't know what it's going to be like when I'm 80, if I make it that old, or in the next future generations. So personally, I'm not, I'm not making my plans or my actions based on the seventh generation as much as I would love to. I think that was easier to do in the past when the world was a much more stable, consistent place. But with artificial intelligence, with nuclear bombs, with uh you know things can change the face of the earth can change in a matter of hours days weeks months years so personally my strategy is that i use my life now as i can to try to have try to live in a way that improves quality of life for people now in a way that does not reduce quality of people, quality of life for other people, other species currently living or in the future. So that means not extracting from one area to give to another area. It means really trying to live a life of actual justice, of equality, of sustainability for the, for the people and the species alive now and the future. And that means deep thinking about the way that I act. And that is probably very much in alignment with living for the seventh generation and acting in a way that is, you know, sustaining life for the seventh generation. So it's probably very much in alignment with that, but I honestly don't think about that because I just have no clue what life is going to be like on this planet in 30 years. Yeah. Thank you so much for your answer. This question is, is, it's powerful because I, you know, I, I'm never looking for the right answer. I'm just curious to hear what different perspectives of the human 
the human superorganism have to say. So Rob, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work in the world, just for you being you. That's very much appreciated. You're welcome and great talking with you today. And thanks for all the, all the messages that you're spreading and all the people that you're getting the message out there to, to the world. that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins we're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon. Mm -hmm.